be about uh, 7, uh, 6.50. All right. For you on the church app. All right, let's, let's get into the Word of God. Are you guys ready for the Word? All right, Matthew, let's turn to Matthew 16. So, Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you that it's powerful, it's living, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing soul and spirit, bone and marrow. I thank you for the understanding. We ask for understanding today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I think we just now went live, right? Yeah. So get my books. I'm going to do it again. Get my books real quick. Uh, Exploring Secrets of the Heavenly Realms, Principalities and Powers, everything you want to know about how to defeat territorial spirits. All right? Then this other book here is The Mysterious Key. It is everything that you need to know about the old man, the new man, and how to see what the old man is does to you and what the new man is meant to do for you spiritual warfare exploring secrets of the heavenly realms spiritual warfare this book is continuing my revelation my introduction of this book territorial spirits mystery of territorial spirits how i start to explain territorial spirits and then i continue the revelation of territorial spirits um, the responsibility of the church, and then how to do actually demonic warfare. It is a step-by-step -step guide on how to cast out demons. All right, Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. I'm reading now the New King James tonight. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, some others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say I am? That's a good question that we should ask all of us. Who is Jesus to you? He should be more to you today than he was a year or two ago. Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. All right, there's, there's the new creation. There's the old, it's the coming from the understanding of the flesh. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. This is kind of where we're going today building the church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, just a quick sidebar here. Jesus says that the gates of Hades is not going to prevail against the church. Now, to me, that says, wait a minute. This is, this is God's institution for the kingdom, and the devil's going to attack it but it's not going to be able to overpower it. Spiritual warfare. And I will give you the keys. I love this. The keys to the kingdom. Some people think they just get these keys and you have them. And what do you, you know, if you have a brand new, if you have a brand new $100,000 automobile sitting in the parking lot, and you give the keys to a five-year-old, what 
What's good? What, are the, what, are, what good is that? Nothing. It does nothing for you. The car will not move. I'll give you the kingdom, the keys to the kingdom. I'll give them to you, but you're going to have to do something with these keys. And then here's one that every Christian is absolutely almost completely clueless on. And whatever you bind on earth, after you figure out how to use the keys, right? How do you get the keys going? And whatever you bind, because and is a conjunction, it ties the two together. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So there's going to be a whole lot of binding and loosening. However, I'm going to have to learn spiritual principles or keys. Then he commanded the disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. All right. And then there's another reference to the kingdom there in Matthew 8.18. But I just want you to refer to that. Keys. What are keys? Keys are symbols of authority. Symbols of authority. They are symbols of power and prosperity. And entry into knowledge. What do I mean by that? This is what I mean. I need to learn how to operate out of Jesus' authority, so comes Jesus' power. I need to learn how, how Jesus released prosperity so that prosperity can come to me and to those around me. Keys are something with anything I need to have authority over something so the power can work. Just because I have the Luke 10, 8, or 17 through 19, that I have all power and authority has been given to me, and I tread on serpents, serpents and scorpions, you need to learn actually how to do that. You have the key to do it, but you need the power and the authority to actually make it happen. To make it happen. That is just not something that I have. I tread on serpents and scorpions and the devil's under my feet. I, I, I'm here to tell you right now, the devil's under nobody's feet other than Jesus's. But you can make him bow. Oh, come on, you know I'm in Philippians chapter 2. That every knee should bow. Every knee shall confess. What does that actually mean in, in the spirit world? That actually means that every knee should bow. I must enforce the kingdom of heaven to make those things bow. Every tongue shall confess. I, I remember years ago, this demon had taken over this kid's personality and come up and said, I don't have to, I don't have to bow and I don't have to confess. And I realized exactly what he was saying. He's saying, listen, unless you make me, I don't have to. And I said, okay, that's great. Guess what he ended up doing by the end of the night? 
bowing and confessing. <laughs> but I had to... I had to apply spiritual principles. I had to take the keys. Now, I'm talking about building the church. Building the church. Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail. So here is, here is the weapon. Here is, okay, that is the overall statement, the rule that there's going to be spiritual warfare in prayer in, in uh, reading your Bible, in everything that we do, and then here's the key. Then I'm going to give you the keys to make all this happen. And whatever you bind on earth, well, I might as well get into that a little bit. How do you bind something? I just don't say, I bind you in Jesus' name. They, those, the powers of darkness look at me like I'm, I'm cross-eyed when that happens. I have to bind them. How do I bind them? I start to use kingdom principles, the, the, the power and the authority of the kingdom of heaven. And I start stripping them of whatever they have. It binds them from work. It takes away their tools, if you will. All right? You can't build a house if you have no tools. All right? Even though, you, even though you have the blueprint, even though you have the material, if you, don't have the, if you don't have any tools, power cords, saws, whatever, if you don't have any of that, you can't build that house. Oh, come on. Peter received the keys to heaven's eternal archives. That's what that actually means. I found that in the prophet's dictionary. The knowledge of God is all archived. It's there in the scriptures. It's already been displayed in the person of Christ. And so it is us going into that library. Oh, come on. And researching something and pulling out information so that you may fill out your term paper or that you may uh, do a report or something. Do a Google search. It's all archived like Google. It's all archived on the Google, on the Google Drive. And you type in something, you search it, and whatever that, in, that, whatever that search engine has on it, it pulls it to you. And then once it pulls it to you, then we have to find out how, which one is pertaining to what we're really asking. It is the supernatural entryways. We talk about walking in the spirit, doing these different things. The keys of the kingdom are symbols of power and authority, a power and authority for knowledge for entryways, for entryways into the supernatural. I remember, I remember when I first started to, when I first, I was introduced to dissociation almost immediately back in 1998, the Holy Spirit. I was having a hard time. You know, there's, there's this mindset out there in the church 
And this mindset says, well, you know, I'm not going to have to dwell on the past. I'm not going to worry about what I was in the past because I'm a new creation in Christ. However, you're also, you're also plagued with a sinful nature that needs to be crucified every day of your life. Okay? The point here I'm making is when I was introduced to dissociation and the traumas of the past, there's this, I started running into this mindset that people don't have to deal with the trauma of the past. However, when, when I was touched with that, with that anointing and, and God started to, demons started to obey me and trauma started coming my way. You know, and I'm, now I'm confused. I've got, this, I've got this legalistic teaching over here that I don't need to deal with all that. I'm a, I'm a new creation. I don't have to worry about my past. I just focus on who I am in Christ. And, and I, I get all that. I, I get all that. But there's this other stuff that bothers people. And it holds them down and it, it stops them from their breakthrough. I don't know why I'm on this, but here I am. And so this trauma started to come to me. And so I started to deal with it. But I still was being, I was warring in the mind. And then I went to this, uh, the team, uh, uh, me and another guy and two ladies went to this woman's house. So there was four of us. And we started to minister. And the Lord picked me to minister to her. And next thing you know, I'm ministering to her. And the power of the Holy Spirit fell in that living room and just almost knocked me out of the chair. And he just took over the ministry session. And I sat for two and a half hours watching him kick out demons and heal trauma of the past. I realized right away, he's the spirit of truth. He was showing me, don't wrestle with this. Follow me. The Holy Spirit was saying, follow me and ignore man. So the point of the story here is not only did he do that for me, but then a few, about a year later, he actually introduced me. He says, today I'm going to show you something you've never seen before. And he introduced me to generational dissociation. <clears throat> Anyways, in Jeremiah, still building the church. What am I, why did I bring that story to you? Because there's certain things that only, that only the Holy Spirit will seal his approval on. I can teach I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus and, de and deal with that type of theology, or I can teach I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus and my old nature... It's going to die in this age. I'm going to die. I get older every day. That, that tells every single believer, your sinful, my sinful nature, your sinful nature is still alive because I'm getting old and I'm going to die. But if I was a complete, complete new creation in Christ, I would have never gotten any older at all. Oh. That's, to me, it's just so simple. But as a young Christian, I struggled with 
Jeremiah 9. See, the point is, Jeremiah 1, 9, the point I'm making is there are certain things that will build a church. And you'll know why I went there in just a second. Jeremiah 1 and 9 says, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched, he touched Jeremiah's mouth. And the Lord said to me, to Jeremiah's talking, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. God says, Jeremiah, I have put my words in your mouth. Verse 10, See, I have set, I, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. That's a position. What is a position? Authority. Authority. Now watch how he has to do, watch how it has to do with the power. Watch this. It has to do with the power. To root out and pull down. That's talking about using your position of authority and influencing it with power. To root out and pull down. To destroy and to throw down. And then look what he says. So I need to, I need to root out and pull down. I need to destroy and throw down. And then the position of authority with power then says to build and to plant. To build and to plant. Talks about growth. Both of them talk about growth. All right. Moving towards my message. The earth, according to Isaiah 2, 19 and 21, the earth will be shaken. The earth is to be shaken. Ezekiel 38, 19 and 20. The nation of Israel is to be shaken. Haggai 2, 6 and 7. Talk about two shakings. The heavens are to be shaken. And the nations are to be shaken. And then in Hebrews... Chapter 12, 26 through 29, everything that can be shaken is to be shaken. Now we know that that's all going, the fulfillment of that is all going to happen when Christ comes. But there is also indications that things can be rooted up and pulled down, destroyed and overthrowed, to be built, and to be planted. There are these indications of the power of the church, the power of the church. So, I'm only going to keep you about 10 more minutes, but what is the first job of the church? The very first job of the church is to transform people. To transform. And it starts with salvation. But we don't leave them at the point of that transformation. 
We bring them out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. From one place, from one place of, and we transfer them, transition them. In Matthew 4, 18 through 20, Jesus says, Walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They, will, they immediately left their nets and followed him. Now, these guys, they saw something. They went after it. They were called. They obeyed the call, but they had no idea what was going to happen to them. All I know is that Peter left his own business. I think it was Nathaniel and, um, um, well, I'm not sure of the other one, but they, they left a generational fishing business because they were fishing with their father. They were fishing with their father. So the father, they left something that was to be inherited. Peter left something that he built. And then he says, we can't follow, this is what I said, we can't follow what we don't see. Do you understand? If you don't, if you don't have it demonstrated by the power of God, as far as I'm concerned, that teaching is just a theory. Just a theory. It's almost like you're, you've boxed in God's mind and, you, and because somebody passed something down to you or, you or it came to yourself, like the disciples, or it came to yourself... You have not given the Holy Spirit to check if it's correct. To check if it's correct. You know, a lot of people come to me and they go, well, Pastor Bruce, I, I need healing in my body. And, and I go, well, have you ever been prayed for? Yeah, I've been prayed for. You know, um, I've got this going on and that going on. And I said, well, let me ask you just a couple questions. Are you doing everything that you believe Jesus is telling you to do today? Or are you just kind of just, I don't, I don't want to give that up. I don't want to read my Bible more. I don't want to do this more. Have you ever thought that maybe some of the things that you have in your life is, is preventing healing? Or how about this? Could it be a curse? Could it be a curse? You know, that's another one out there. Can a Christian be cursed? Not in your new nature. You can't be. It's theologically, biblically impossible to be cursed in your new nature. But your old nature is wide open. <laughs> so, leave it all, Jesus says. Leave it all and follow me. That is the beginning of transformation. 
I walk away from this world. I walk away from the things that I was doing, and I take on a whole new transformation. God does not work his purposes. This is a biblical principle. God does not work his purposes until his people are fully committed. That's what, I, that's what we learn in one of the very first callings in the Bible. If those guys would have gone back to that, well, I'm going to go to your meetings at night, Jesus, but I'm going to fish by early morning. Then what would have happened? They would have missed their journey. There's a lot to be learned in the journey. All I can tell you is every Christian that comes into the body of Christ ought to know what they've been anointed for within the first year. If not, if not, you have not found the right place. Jesus did not tell the disciples where they were going. But he did, he did tell them what he will make of them. This is the prophetic office. This is why I like the prophets. Jesus would run prophets up my alley early in my Christian life, talking to me about things that I was having in my heart and things that I would be experiencing in the presence. I would, I would get a prophecy, and that prophecy would bear witness of where, where I came from, where I am today, and where I'm going in the future. If you don't have prophecy like that, then you're not, you don't have a prophet talking to you. You have the gift of prophecy talking to you. Okay? There's a difference. See, if we yield to the Lord, he guarantees the finish. I'll make you fishers of men. See, when we enter this transformation, we have to know, we have to know certain things. Jesus says, follow me, and I'm going to turn you into something. When you come into the body of Christ, you become saved, you get water baptized, you get infilled with the Holy Spirit. That should happen within the first couple months of your salvation. It should almost be immediately. And then what happens? The Spirit of God starts to draw you in certain veins. Do this, do this, do this. I, want, I like that better than that or better than this. Then you start to feel those unctions. And as you start to, to follow those unctions, then here comes a prophet. And the prophet will talk to you and speak to you about what you're supposed to be doing. Now, it's, not, it's, it's, it's normally general. But, and there's a, whole lot of, there's a whole lot of filling in the blanks as you follow the prophecy. You see? This is how it works. This is how people get transformed. This is how you build the church. When people come in and they haven't, they haven't been uh, infused with the power of God, then... You've got to do fire services. You touch Holy Spirit. You've got to do something to arouse their spirit man to take over 
that carnal nature, that, that, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to go into the kingdom of heaven. When I became, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I'm a special case or if I'm just the normal case. But when I got touched by the power of God, I became a radical Christian. Instantly. Instantly. I, a matter of fact, the power of God visited me in such a way that I was scared for two days straight. Two days straight. I did not want to go to sleep. I didn't want to... I didn't want to say anything. It got to the place where I didn't want to think. Because every time I had a bad thought, the power of God would just, you know, race through me. You know? I spent my first two years of my Christian life completely immersed, day and night, 24-7, my first two years of my Christian life, immersed in the power of God. Locked up for hours and days at a time, not knowing that time was passing. I would somehow, I would go to work under the power of God. I would work under the power of God. I'd fall out under the power of God. People would say, are you heat stroke? No, I'm fine. I'm doing great. You know, the power of God's all over me and I can't move. Uh then I'd, I'd go home on a Friday night and sometimes I would find myself up for two days straight. And then the power of God would say, okay, it's almost 11 o'clock, go to church. So I'd run to the shower and head to church. It was, I only had a few weekends where I would go all weekend long without any sleep under the power of God and not feel one ounce of sleepiness. I don't know if that's normal, but it, it, there is a relationship. That's, I'm telling you, when Jesus stayed up and he prayed all night, guess what was going on? He was immersed under the power that comes on the human body and energizes it in such a way that it commands heaven to come. It commands it. It comes with authority. It comes with power. It takes over. It does something to you. You become crazy. Believers go, oh, you're too much for me. The world's already thought I've lost it. They thought I lost it the very first day I walked into the, into the job shack. You know, I was on a welding job. I was welding pipe at the time when I got, when I got touched like this. And I walked in there, and I started to talk to everybody about what happened to me over the weekend, about how I read this book called The Anointing by Benny Hinn, and the Spirit of the Lord came all over me and just wrecked me, wrecked me big time. And they're going, shh, oh my gosh. And then, that was the first time I actually heard the voice of God in my spirit. I, he said, yep, yeah, you'll find that in First Peter I can't remember the chapter now, but he said, this is it. This is that. And it was how the world will just ignore the coming of Christ. They're destined to perish, the Bible says. 
It's amazing. So the first step, so we need to, well, once we come into the kingdom, everyone here needs to understand that you need to pursue your destiny to the fullest. Because Jesus guarantees if you pursue him, he guarantees the finished product. So the first step to God's transforming process in building the church, that process is within, within the believer. Building each stone, stone upon stone, building the church together. It starts with an inward process of commitment. Commitment. Last scripture I have for you. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the, by the mercies of God, that you present, present your body a living sacrifice. Not a dead one. Not referring back to the sheeps and the goats and the bulls on the altar where it was killed, drained of blood, and then dead on the altar. The New Testament says this is going to be a living sacrifice. What is that living? What is he talking about? He's talking about the carnal nature. It is going to be a living sacrifice that if we commit to God and trust him in the transfer process, in the transformation process, and to follow the call and the anointing, this thing is going to die. It is going to be burnt up. That's why you that's why we can't get all all out of all out of we can, we just can't get twisted out of somebody that you know, is introduced to the deliverance ministry for the first time. Hey, they're going through curse breaking. This could take a couple years. Give Jesus a shot. They can only take so much. He's only going to give them what he knows they can keep. That's all you're going to get. I hate to tell you, so that's why some people only get 50% healing. Because they'll get total 100% healing, then the devil will have that 100% healing by the time they get in their car. He'll have it back. Oh, oh, well, I wonder, let me see, let me check it. Yeah, well, maybe it is, maybe it is getting a little sore again. Next thing you know, it's right back on them. I don't get that stuff. It's a kingdom rule, kingdom rule. I'm going to give you what you can handle. I don't like it. I like 100% healing. I like that presence, fire, power hits you. You fall down. You shake and tremble. You go, ha. Oh, I'm not paralyzed anymore. Hey, did you know? Did you know just the other day, uh, two weeks ago, two Fridays ago, that there was a guy that came in here. He had has suffered a stroke. He was about 50% paralyzed on his right body, and he walked out of here. 35% better. He could he could now he couldn't get now he could get his arm up like this. Couldn't get it straight up, but he went from here all the way to here, almost like this. Couldn't get that rotator the rotator all the way back. He could get his foot up off the ground. 
Was he totally healed? No. But when, when the Holy Spirit quit, I was smart enough to quit too. <laughs> Take what you can get. Celebrate what you what you received. It's just the transformation process. Then he says, this living sacrifice, holy, it needs to be holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then here comes the warning. Here comes the warning. Do not be conformed to this world. It is a warning that that living sacrifice will get right off that altar if you let it. It only may be partially burned up that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you guys get anything? Amen. All right. This is what we're going to do.